So, every once in a while, I will stumble across a passage in Scripture that I think to myself, that'll preach, I can make this work, right? And so I sit down and I start kind of the little research process that I go through, and then every once in a while, in the midst of that, I do something in my own life that reveals my need for what's in that passage. Well, today is one of those days. So I want to read to you uh, the 12th chapter of the book of Romans, and I want to emphasize that this was... Uh, I don't know where Jason Leroy went, but Jason and, and I emailed last Sunday, a week ago, and he said, what text are you preaching on? And I said, Romans chapter 12. And I even had somewhat of a sermon title idea already in mind. And then, I don't know if it was Thursday or Friday of this week, uh, life happened, and I realized I need this passage and boy, do I really need this passage. And so the title changed a little bit, and here we go. All right? So I'm going to just ask you to follow along with me as I read through Romans chapter 12. See if there's not something in here that strikes you as necessary, as needed, as as part of what Uh, God would say to you today, because we will see in just a moment how, how badly your pastor needs the grace of God. So here we go. From Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each in accordance each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. 
contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So... I have this thing, I got it from my mother, and I can't stand litter. Anybody else bothered by litter, by trash, right? Okay, it just drives me crazy. So, for the past several months, as Redland Road has been under expansion, under construction, our little driveway on Redland that turns into this property is two cars wide. And on most weekdays, if you drive by our gate, there's at least one pickup truck parked in our driveway. No problem. These guys are working. It's okay. They need a parking place. We can provide that. Um, the problem is that every time I pull in there, there's two or three empty cups, five or six breakfast taco wrappers or fast food packages or uh, empty bottles or uh, just laying like somebody just like, you know, two or three people just had breakfast there, threw their trash, drove away. I pick it all up, I walk down Redland, the whole length of our property, pick up any trash that somebody might have thrown out their window, put it in the back of my truck, drive over here, put it in the trash can, come inside. Sound right? Okay, well, okay. Thursday, Friday, I don't remember what day it was, but I pull in and there's a truck parked there. There's trash all over the place. So I pull up next to the truck. I open the gate. I pull through the gate. I go pick up all the trash. And just, I don't know, just, I, I, take, I take the little pile of trash, probably seven or eight items there. I lift up the windshield wiper on the truck. I slide it under there, slap the windshield wiper back down. And at that point, I hear, what are you doing in my truck? And I look across the street, and there's a guy with a vest and a hel- you know, a hard hat on, and he's all bowed up. 
So in Christian humility, I bow up. So I'm tired of the trash. He's like, I just got here. I'm like, it's not a parking place. He's like, all right, I'll move it. He comes over. He's like, he's like, just look in the bed of my truck. There's trash that I put in the bed of my truck because I don't like littering. I'm like, all right. And he hadn't actually seen what I put under his windshield wiper at this point. So I was like, all right, no problem. I'll take this. I lift up his windshield wiper and take the thing of trash, set it back down. I can't tell you exactly what he said. I I mean, I could tell you, but I can't tell you here exactly what he's had to say at that point. Um, But, you know, I don't think, I don't think it was going to go much beyond that point, but it was right at the brink, right? I mean, I touched another dude's truck. That ain't cool, right? And, he caught, he caught about four months of trash duty frustration, right? And he didn't actually throw any trash as far as I could tell. Um, but I'm pretty sure he wasn't looking at it that way. I'm pretty sure he wasn't thinking, gosh, it must be frustrating for him to have trash all over his driveway every time he comes to work. And uh, as I drove, as I locked the gate <laughs> and, and drove away, it, it occurred to me, like, what a lousy Christian I am. Like, none of that was necessary. It felt good when I was, like, putting the trash under his windshield wiper. That felt really good. Right? Turns out, it wasn't him. And, of course, this all takes place right between two giant signs that say, Hope Church, enter here. Sundays at 1015. Yeah. Yeah. That's what the signs say as this whole thing is playing out. Um, And... It just occurred to me, like, that was not very pastoral. Um, you know, there, there are things that we should get upset about, right? There is rightful anger. Um, Jesus cleaned out the temples with a whip and a stick, right? So, there is that. But... Probably not that guy on that day for that reason. Does that make sense? And I come back to the, I come back to sit down and go back over the passage and I'm just like, oh, wow. Mm. F minus. Um, so, I was reminded of this this distance between where Christ finds us and where he wants us to be. Um, 
I guess the question that sort of drove the rest of my study of this passage was, uh, how should we be? So we're going to take a look at, at the way we should live as Christians, not the reality or the ugly reality of the way we often do live and respond to each other. Um, and as we do that, I want to just sort of take us through this incredible passage. This is the Apostle Paul, after taking up the subjects of sin and the, the role of faith and the law and Christ and the cross and God's sort of cosmic redemptive plan to bring all of us into his family for eternity, Paul stops, and at the beginning of chapter 12, he says these famous words. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices. This idea that that Christ offered himself as a sacrifice to redeem us, the undeserving, and that that should elicit from us a response of a willingness to sacrifice, to lay down our will or our anger or whatever our agenda may be and let God's will unfold in our lives. So as we... As we walk through this passage, I want to first call all of us to engage this transformation that is spoken of here. This call to be changed, to be grown, to be brought toward what God's will is for each of us. And I say this with an acute awareness of how far I am and and we are from this place that God wants all of us to be. But nonetheless, the call to engage this process of transformation from our own selfishness and self-interest to a willingness to sacrifice and show love and charity to others. The first thing I think Paul is saying in verses 1 and 2 is that we are to replicate the gospel in our lives. That we're to do toward others what Christ has done toward us. He, he loved, he suffered, he sacrificed, he gave of himself for our benefit. And that's the basic ethic that's set before us here. And so... The Apostle Paul tells us in these opening verses that this is all an act of worship. That, that the way we worship God is by um, sacrificing for him and for others. This is, this is how we truly worship isn't just what we do here. Although this, for many, involves sacrifice and sometimes suffering. Uh, but this isn't just where we worship. Our worship is an entire life and lifestyle of sacrifice, of replicating toward others what Christ has done for us. And so, to worship through sacrifice and to work toward renewal. 
there's a word in this passage that talks about uh, proving or testing um, that as we stumble through this, if we're paying attention, we through the through the testing we figure out what God's will is. Uh, as I'm driving away from the scene of the crime, so to speak, I figure out, you know, whatever I just did to that guy, that's probably not what God's will was. I don't think I left him any closer to Christ than I found him. I think he might have used Jesus' name, but that's not important right now. Um, This call to be moving toward the renewal that God wants to bring about in our lives. So we replicate the gospel and we lead with grace and humility. I love the way verse 3 starts. Paul doesn't say, you know, because I'm the most important apostle among the 12, or 13 in his case, uh, I'm going to say this to you and you have to follow it. He says, by the grace of God, that's my only basis for speaking to you, is by the grace of God. If it was not for God's grace, I would act, he would actually be trying to kill them. It's, it's where he was before God got a hold of him, and he understood that. And so Paul has this very... Uh, clear understanding that we are here by grace and it it breeds a certain amount of humility in him and in what he calls out of us that we not ever think that anyone is uh, less than anyone else and so this grace and humility call for us to recognize our need for each other I think this is one of those things that the the trajectory of life usually teaches us, right? We 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 grow up and we think we have everything we need to succeed in life. And we get out in the real world and we eventually realize um, I can't do this alone. I need support. I need friends. I need encouragement. I need the body of Christ to be there for me. And we, and we prove that to each other uh, as, in, over the course of life. And we, we grow. We expand our, our view of what the body of Christ is. Um, we have to recognize, Paul is saying to us, that we need each other. And then I, I love the way that Paul sort of puts this in the following verses there. He essentially says, um, do what you're good at. If you want to be part of God's family, just do what you're good at. And, and so here's, here's the real reason I thought that we were going to talk about this passage this week. Um, 
our church is in the process of moving down the street. We have uh, a contract to sell this property. We have a contract to purchase another property. And your pastor happens to be horrifically bad at logistics. Can I get an amen? Amen. Mrs. Masterson. Yeah. And amen. All right. So what we're, what we're in the process of doing, we, we sort of set this up at our last session meeting. Um, we're, we're going to, we're going to pull together three different teams of people in the church. And one of those teams is going to handle all of the logistics of getting all of our stuff from point A to point B. And they're also going to pick up the sort of internal communication component for us, right? So they're going to be focused on the inside of the box, getting us from this box to that box and connecting to the people inside the box while we do this. Make sense? Lots of details. Uh, Steve, raise your hand. That's my detail man. All right. Then we're going to have another team that will be dedicated to uh, really one thing, but it has sort of two elements. But it's, it's, the, it's the public side of what we are doing that we want people around us to know what's happening. We, we, are, we are assuming, very dangerous, um, that with a property that's right on a major thoroughfare, we will have higher visibility. That's not an assumption. That's a, that's a fact. Um, but that visibility may generate more visitor traffic. We want to be ready for that. We want to be ready to uh, assimilate. You will be assimilated. Um, you, we want to be ready to assimilate that growth if that's what God chooses to do. And if he doesn't, we still want to be healthier in our spiritual depth as a body of Christ. Uh, Rusty, raise your hand. So, what do you want to call that team? Uh, Fake it till you make it. That's so deep. But uh, we we want Rusty and whoever he recruits to be part of that, to be focused on us being healthy and in a position to take on growth if that's what God chooses to do with all this. Um, and his team will, will have some details like a little bit of website, social media, that kind of stuff that's outward looking. It's not the inward side. And uh, is Carl still here or did he run? Did he run away? There he is. Okay. You're running now. It's... it's uh, you're not exactly Hussein Bolt over there. You know what I mean? All right. Love you, Carl. So Carl is going to be forming a team to look at, like, what do we actually need to do to this space in order for us to, to move before we move in? Um, we have a building inspector coming at 9 a.m. tomorrow to the building down Redland, and uh, we're going to kind of be there to start the punch list, and then with Steve's help and the internal communication, we're going to gather 
viewpoints of various ministry teams. I would like this kind of space. I would like that kind of space. That'll all be communicated to Carl. Uh, So-and-so will be in this room. They need this kind of flooring. So when the kids puke, it's easy to clean up, that kind of thing. Um, And uh, Carl's team will be in charge of anything related to the material improvement of that facility in order to get us from here to there. Does that make sense? And what we want is, uh, I would say in in about a month, we should have little delegatable jobs, little positions you could say, hey, I would really like to do X, Y, or Z. Um, You'll take that. That'll be assigned to you. But do what you're good at. Do what comes naturally to you. Be involved in ways that give you energy, and then we don't all hate each other when this is all over with, right? So, Jen, I'm going to put you in charge of filing and organizing. See? That's how you win the heart of a creative mind. Put them in front of a file cabinet. All right. But that all of us will engage this process together, and hopefully we will enjoy it. Undoubtedly, some of us will frustrate others. I would never frustrate Lois True, but, you know... Should you count the times? No. You're very gracious. No. All right. Um, but hopefully this will be fun. And we'll all be involved and engaged in ways that, that relate to what we're good at. And we'll get this knocked out. And we'll be in new digs. Um, so to engage this process of transformation that God is calling us into together means to actively love Love must be active. Uh, Paul tells us, first of all, that it has to be genuine, that we are to be a people who gravitate toward good. Um, I did not do that the other day. I went the wrong way. Uh, We are to be a people who look for the opportunities to do good. To find ways to honor others, Paul reminds us. I I had a boss, my first job in ministry was at a church in Houston doing youth ministry. And... My boss, was he and I are very similar in the respect that he was administratively not, well, we're disasters administratively. He and I were both alike in that regard. But one of the things that he taught me, his name was Buck, and one of the things that Buck taught me is if, if you're in ministry, your job is to figure out how to give other people credit for everything you can. Never take credit for anything that goes well. Only take responsibility for the things that blow up. And I watched him model that. Like at staff meetings, he would get a compliment from the senior pastor. 
and he would pass it off either to me or the director of children's ministry or somebody underneath him. He was amazing. And, and he truly practiced this value of, of honoring the people uh, around him or under him even. Um, and it was, it was pretty cool to watch and then to try to implement that. And uh, sometimes when you're young and in ministry, you want to take credit for things. You want to be like, yeah, I nailed that. And you got to figure out how to pass that on to the people who do deserve it and in genuine ways. And so to be a people who are actively seeking good and seeking to honor the people around us, to take action in love means to be hopeful even in the midst of difficulty. And Paul reminds us of this. God's people should be hopeful in their outlook on what is ahead that we should be the type of people who look for the good and who are generous to each other. This is, our, this is part of our call to worship God through the way we love each other. And then as we engage in this transfer, transformation and learn to actively love, we are to seek harmony. Basically speaking... We are to seek to be a blessing to the people around us. How would the relationships in your life change if your primary goal became seeking to be a blessing to those people? To your spouse, to your kids, to your parents, to your teacher, to your students, to your co-workers, to your boss, to the people that work for you. If you sought actively to be a blessing in their lives, how would that change? Being a blessing, Paul reminds us, means that we learn to be empathetic. We suffer with those who suffer. We rejoice with those who rejoice. We get into their shoes. We show empathy and modesty. We're called to be modest The ground is level at the foot of the cross. There actually are no Christians who are better than any other Christians. There are no Christians who are better than non-Christians. We are to be first and foremost a humble people. And this call to be a blessing as we seek harmony with others rolls into being a peacemaker. To be people who actively set about to bring about more peace in the world around them than there was when they got there. Paul reminds us of a couple of things that Jesus actually said. Um, But he reminds us that God does not need our help in the battle between good and evil. Don't get me wrong. He wants us involved. But he doesn't need me to go out and act 
for him to be vengeful, right? This is, um, how do I want to say this? If you're looking at fundamental differences in between Christianity and other religions, we are taught right here, leave this stuff in God's hands. He doesn't need us to pick up weapons and go kill people who are immoral. It would be good if there were some other religions on the planet who would pick that basic tenet up. Okay, but this is this is one of the things that sets us apart: our ability to trust God, even when it would feel better to take vengeance into our own little hands, or just a little pile of trash into our own little hands and put it under somebody's windshield wiper. God says, "Can you just let me handle that? I think I'll do a better job." Um, and He wants us to set out to leave more peace in our wake than what was there when we passed through. He doesn't need our help to defeat evil, but he does call us to participate in the battle between good and evil, and he gives us one weapon. It's love. Whatever I did to that guy in the driveway, it wasn't love. It wasn't even tough love. It wasn't, um, it wasn't what God wanted from me that day. I gave him what I wanted. And that is our battle each and every day. And there are two things we need to, to understand in that reality. One is, we're forgiven. We're forgiven. God's, God's not uh, piling up a big wheelbarrow full of our sins to dump it back on our heads. There's no karma in Christianity. Thank the Lord. Right? I don't want karma. I want grace. <laughs> it's much kinder. And the fact that we've, we are forgiven is not a pass it's a, it's a call to re-enter again into the battle between good and evil. To seek to leave more peace than we found. To come back into the will of God and go at it and blow it again if we must. But to get back into what God has called us to. Will you pray with me? God our Father, we marvel at your grace at your love for us, even in the face of our humanity. As we um, stumble through this calling you have set before us, Lord, we realize it is actually impossible for us to get completely past our sin. And so we lay all of that at the foot of your cross, and we thank you that you are the God of all that is possible. And Lord, lead us into being the men and women of God that leave the world better than we found it.
ponder the depth of forgiveness that has been wrought in our own souls and that seek to roll that forward into the world ahead of us. To literally bring about your love, your grace, and your peace in this dark and hurting world. It is in your Son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen.